0: Do you have the tools to uncover and understand the driving motivations of your potential customers? Can you convert this understanding into a marketing and innovation platform? This week's episode is rich in tools and techniques.
1: This is the Economics for Entrepreneurs podcast, a project of the Mises Institute, applying the principles of economics to start, grow, and manage your business. For free tools, resources, key takeaways, and actionable insights from each episode, visit mises.org e4epod. Now, here's Hunter Hastings.
0: Hi, Hunter Hastings here. The Austrian business model, the one that's proving to be most useful for businesses of all size and entrepreneurs in all industries, is built on subjectivism. That means that everything you hear from business schools and consultants about strategy being an objective and computable science about where to play and how to win is all wrong-headed thinking. If you think better and think Austrian, you don't worry about strategy. You focus on customers, on understanding them, on identifying their felt dissatisfactions and solving those dissatisfactions with new forms of service to make their lives better. It's not science. It's empathy. It's not strategy. It's the pursuit of your own values and service to customers. Sometimes, as John Tamney explained in episode number 66, service is leadership. Entrepreneurs lead customers to a better place. How? Well, customers don't always know where they want to go, they just know they're not 100% happy where they are. That's the feeling we call dissatisfaction. It's hard to detect. Because customers don't always express it clearly, but they do provide data. They do so by acting. Action, for example, includes shopping, whether online or offline, browsing, buying, sharing, living. By interpreting customer actions in a purposive way, the entrepreneur develops a subjective understanding of the motivations behind those actions. Our guest today, Trini Amador, calls these purposive subjective understandings insights. Insights are what we're talking about today. Is mining for insights into the customer's motivation, into their emotional soul, an act of magic? Is it an esoteric technique mastered only by gurus and experts? No. Like many things in Austrianism, it's a process, and you can learn it. Our learning comes from Trini Amador, who's been training Fortune 500 executive teams in this technique for many years and refining it for better and better results. Trini is the co-founder and CEO of BHC Consulting, a marketing, branding, and research consultancy. And, putting his ideas into practice, he's the proprietor of Graciana Winery in Sonoma County, California, where his insights into what people are grateful for lies behind a new kind of wine experience. We'll learn a lot from Trini today, and we'll get some useful tools and techniques from him. And during our conversation, we're going to invite you to help Economics for Entrepreneurs by answering a question about which kinds of tools and techniques are most helpful to you. We're eager to get your input because we're in the process of building a significant online platform to help entrepreneurs, and we believe in co-creation. We'll make what you tell us is the most useful to you and what you'll actually use. We're so eager to get your input that we're going to offer some Graciano wine. Three free bottles to the first five people who answer our question online. Only available to those of you over 21 years of age, of course. So listen in as we talk to Trini Amador. And please be sure to visit e4epod.com question. That's the letter E, the number 4, the letter E, P-O-D dot com slash question to answer our query, and hopefully you could possibly earn yourself a few bottles of wine. Trini, welcome to Economics for Entrepreneurs. Thanks for having me. You are our go-to person for understanding brands and consumers and customers' emotional bonding to their brands and how to create love and trust for businesses, and that's critically important to entrepreneurs. Love and trust earn revenue and profits and loyalty and growth. And we think it's true for every entrepreneur, not just those in consumer goods or retail businesses. It's everybody. And one of the reasons we love you on the show is that you live this trust every day. You're not only a global marketing consultant working on brands like Charles Schwab and Marlboro and Pepsi and Google with your BHC consulting company, um, but you're also living the entrepreneurial life as one of the founders of Graciano Winery in Healdsburg and Sonoma County in the wine country of California. And I know you've grown the love and trust for that brand over the last decade. So you really understand consumers and what motivates them to choose, in your case, the Graciano wine brand over any other California brand or any in the world. So thank you for being here.
1: Well, Hunter, it's really great to be back. And you know how much I enjoy speaking with you. So really, really happy to be here.
0: Good. Well, thank you. And in, you're in good company. We recently had Rory Sutherland on the podcast, who's the vice chairman of Ogilvy, one of the world's leading marketing and advertising agencies. He had an interesting term to understand consumers' motivations. He used the term psychologic. And his point was that consumers are always rational in their own minds, but it's their own internal logic and their own individual context. And so it's pretty hard sometimes for businesses to Understand and analyze what consumers are thinking, what motivates them. You use a different term; it's it's insights. Um, so tell us what you're thinking when you use that term.
1: Well, <clears throat> insights are indeed uh, the lifeblood of any brand owner. So working toward a deep understanding of what causes your customer to behave the way that they do is really the essence of what an insight is. So those insights are the difference between someone who has just a business and a brand that successfully delivers against the needs of their customer. So to link to what Rory was saying, and you just referenced him, when you think of it as rational or functional needs, which is I need a car to get from here to there, for example, and emotional needs. And that is what I want to feel, which is a key word. And we'll talk a lot about feelings and the way that people feel throughout today, because This person might say, I'm saving the planet by driving this hybrid, for example, and that would be a way that someone would feel. So maybe I could break that down a little bit because there's a lot in there.
0: Yeah, please do. I I just note that in economics, we call that subjective value, how the customer is feeling. So it's central to our model. So yes, please take us deeper.
1: So let me start with a definition of insights. So it's really the understanding of what customers' motivations, their values, and their attitudes. It's the why. Why? that people act the way that they do. And it may not be always what they say, but it's always emotional and it's subjective. So if we understand those motivations, we can then design some stimulus or communications or innovations or products to change their behavior. So the key takeaways are who are they and why, 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 why do they behave that way? And so I'll give you an example. I think of uh, Nike Air for women. Uh, it's a shoe and it's designed for the stability of a woman's foot and the way that women's feet pronate. And that's a functional need and a benefit. However, the footwear also supports her need to rule the world. And it establishes this sense of control over her physical fitness, her comfort, her style, and her attitude. So that control is the emotional need. And so our, Nike articulates that in their communication. As rule the road, so rule the road is really this um, expression of the emotional interest that this core target has
0: okay, um, that does sound pretty deep, and we look forward to learning more as we go through the show. But tell us how entrepreneurs can be using that kind of thinking, those kinds of insights, how do they use them
1: Well, if you're able to keep driving towards the insights, then you have a very wonderful asset, and it's it adds value to your brand because the better understanding of your customers, the better understanding of how to serve them and how to serve them in a way that's different and it's better than your competitors and it will generate economic behavior and repeatable sales to a customer that you're building loyalty with and after all that's what the objective is.
0: Right, we talk a lot about assembling resources or assembling assets. So I'm glad to hear you talk about insights as an asset. We can we can assemble those and and use them productively. And I hope what you're going to tell us is you have a process for identifying those insights. And uh, you're going to help us with the right place to start.
1: Well, so first we start with the target audience. and <laughs> It all starts there. So remember the target audience references, we think of it as your core target. And the core is the sweet spot target that has the greatest need. They're the ones that uniquely and competitively situated to deliver against those needs that means that we have we believe that we're best situated to deliver against that core target so you have to identify your core target audience and you want to be as specific as possible so for example it would be moms with kids or men who exercise or truck drivers who spend x amount of time on the road or electric car buyers or folks who need their yard maintained you can even organize your target by prospects for example These are people who might buy your service in the future or people who buy it now and that you want to have a better better understanding of. So there's lots of different ways for you to cut this, but the headline is to figure out who the core is. Now, I know because people always say this to me, I know that some of your listeners are thinking, and that is that I want to target more people so I can sell more. And that is a reasonable thought, Hunter. However, just because uh, they are a very narrow target group now. It doesn't mean that we will not attract or that we won't sell to others. It just means that we'll be obsessively attract and serve this core audience. And the reason why is because if we do attract the core, then we will naturally attract the next customer audience in this sort of concentric circle of core targets because we can't be all things to all people. So the idea is to identify the core and win the core first.
0: Yeah, we talked a lot, Trini, about... Being brave enough, as you say, to keep that core target narrow. Uh, Professor Mark Packard, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, called the core the high-knowledge customers, the customers who really know what they want, really know the category, know what's satisfactory, know what isn't satisfactory, so they really have relevant knowledge to share with the brand owner, and we could be brave enough to start with one perfect customer in some cases. So, but is that, Can we go that narrow?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. Good. So we've chosen our audience, right? We've identified whom we, we want to serve. The uh, idea I have in my head now is women runners who pronate. So uh, now we've got to go get some data about uh, informing our insights process. What, uh, what do we do to get data?
1: Well, there's lots and lots of, of data that's available. There's no sh- shortage of it uh, these days, especially with the internet. But there's really three main buckets, and, and the idea is to use all three of those. So the three are demographics, attitudes, and behaviors. And so when I talk about demographics, that's generally uh, we're thinking in terms of a person. But you can also use something called firmographics. So some of the folks who are listening today are not targeting a consumer, an end consumer. They may be selling to a business. So I just want to make sure that we're you know talking to everyone who could be listening here. So. Demographics or firmographics, these might be the least useful, but it's really the right place to start. In other words, you would be getting age or income levels for demographic or education levels, for example. But for firmographics, that references the company characteristics. So what type of business are they, are they in? How many employees do they have? What are their sales volumes? That sort of thing. So that's a good place for you to, to start when you start to break down your core target. So their demographics or the firmographics in a business environment. The second is the attitudes, and um, this is re- reported data. It's not your gut feel, meaning that attitudes are subjective and uh, on, on one hand, but it also happens to be a great source of dissatisfaction data. It is information that you can learn from your target. They're all indicators of how your customer feels. So your service or your product, maybe it makes them happy. Maybe it, they find it to be comforting or it gives them a sense of satisfaction or safety. And so the attitudes that they have uh, in this category and also the ca- attitudes about your product and your competitor's product is very important to know. The next is really about behaviors. And what behaviors does is it reveals their preferences and their needs. And the reason for that is because it's how they act. It's what are they doing and what they buy and when they buy it and how they want it delivered and how fast and the, the, the tool that they'll use to pay for it, for example, those all revolve around uh, their behaviors. So for thinking about demographics or firmographics, their attitudes and their behaviors, and there's a lot there as well. Can, can I break that down a little bit more?
0: Uh, yeah, please do. But we've got the buckets. So demographics, firmographics, attitudes, behavior. So yeah, keep going to the next level.
1: So just think about all sorts of data that you already have. So everyone who's listening has sales information. They have product information and they have customer data. So from their website to Instagram, to LinkedIn, to Facebook, there's lots and lots of behavioral data that tells us about the way that our customers are behaving. In other words, it's what are they doing? And you can infer uh, things about how you can meet their needs better by having a better understanding about what they do. Also, there's feedback that you can get through your call center maybe or your sales team Or maybe you have someone named Jim who picks up the phone at your business and talks to customers all day. That information is very valuable about the way that your customers feel. Are they happy about the features and the benefits of your products or services? We have this information about what they feel. and Many times, we're not tapping into that as deeply as we should. So that is a very important place to go.
0: Yeah, and I I just add, if I may, Trini, and I think you agree that um, if you're good at collecting the behavioral data, the feelings are embedded in the behavior if you can figure out how to extract them. People act in a certain way because they feel a certain way. Is that is that accurate?
1: Well, you said an important word there, and that was because. So if you have an mm-hmm. understanding about what they do, because, why? And so it always comes back to why. It, the motivation uh, drives us to that behavior.
0: Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um. Good. Well, let's keep going. So I've got a data set. Um, is it all going to come from the internet? How can I, how can I, ident- how can I collect that data and, and you know, accumulate it so I can use it?
1: Well, there's lots, lots of places, but one of the first is observational, and that is just what do you see? Um, you know, uh, we encourage uh, marketers to go out into the field uh, or brand owners to get into the field Go to the stores or to the restaurants or on sales calls and observe your customer. Ride along with your sales team, whether it be in person or now join a Zoom sales call. Uh, What are your customers doing? What are they saying? Who are they with? Who are they buying your service or their product for? And what are the benefits that they're seeking? Most importantly, we're we're seeking insights. We need to drive toward your, your target's Motivations and values and attitudes, as we just talked about. Why are they doing this behavior? So, uh, the internet is another place to observe those things. Where are they going? What are they clicking on? What is intriguing them online? You can check out the publications and the magazines that they read, whether it's digital or printed. What are they saying about their readers? What are they saying to attract and engage readers? We can get on uh, YouTube uh, or LinkedIn, use Google to see what they're searching for. We can look at Instagram. We can dig out trend data, whether it's Google Trends or other places. We we need to be open-minded in gathering information. Just think of it as observing, not judging or interpreting at this stage.
0: Yeah, and today, you can whatever question you can formulate in your head, you can you can type into a search bar, right, and have a yep. a pretty good idea that you'll get something good back. Yep. Okay, so. I'm getting good at uh, collecting this data. I've accumulated a lot of it. It sounds like it comes in a lot of formats. Some might be visual, some might be text. It might be all kinds of other things. Um, help me organize it and make sense of it.
1: You know, here's an interesting way to articulate that. We we like using uh, visualization and personalization. We think of it as personifying our core target. So in the Insights Workshop, uh, we do a fun exercise of visualizing all this knowledge in the form of a collage. So first, we personify our core target. That means we build a visual profile of them, whether it's a, a single individual or a couple or a family, or it could be of a firm, for that matter. We really drill down in that profile. We write a diary for that individual or a story. What age range are they? Are they married? Are they single? Are they working? And what type of work? Where are they living? What are they driving? We build that collage that visually offers us a view of who they are and what they do and, and how they feel. And, and the second is we build sort of a lifestyle um, or work style storyboard. And the elements in this case include uh, what are their hobbies? What are other brands that they buy or that they frequent? What does their week look like from morning until night? What do they do on their weekends? And once we do that, this all starts to drive to the why, and the why becomes more and more obvious all the time. Why are they doing all those things? Those drivers, Hunter, are instrumental in understanding how we can position our product, especially our messaging. And how, as we've discussed in previous pod, uh, podcasts, understanding the highest level value that motivates this target to behave the way that they do. So we add sticky notes to the collage for more descriptiveness in a in a non-workshop environment. We can just simply write a description with some characteristics with all of these elements and, and possibly include some visuals.
0: And I could do this in my office or my home office. I could use any kind of a wall. I could use a scrapbook. I, I'm thinking any kind of medium is is usable here. It's not important that you've got the medium, it's important that you're collecting and organizing the data.
1: That's right. And it's always a lot more fun and it's a better outcome when you have more people in the office working with you to get that done.
0: Yes. I just wanted to point out here that we're providing a business tool in the form of a process. Trini Amador's insights generation process. The question we want you to answer is general and comparative. What is more useful to you? A process map? a template, a technique, or a checklist. After the podcast, please visit e4epod.com question to let us know. We'll show you a few examples of each, and you can tell us what your decision is. And perhaps there'll be some free Graciana wine in it for you. That's the letter E, the number four, the letter E, pod.com slash question. Now back to Trini. Trini. Um. Good. So I get to this point where I think I have a profile of my core audience, as you call them, with all of this data and my sticky notes and my questions and my instrumental drivers. Keep going. What's next?
1: Well, so the objective of this work is that we're trying to change behaviors and we're trying to get people to buy when they didn't buy before. So, for example, uh, we want them to buy more often or buy more flavors or options that you offer. At Graciana Winery in Sonoma County, we might want people to stop by the tasting room who've never visited here before. Or we might want a one case buyer to become a two case buyer. So, our next step after defining the audience is to define the behavior that we want to change or reinforce or modify somehow. So, choosing that behavior also puts our core target customer in context. And so, I'm interested in their wine buying behavior, but not so much about the car that they prefer to drive. When they're visiting the winery, for example, and the reason for that is that it's important to stay in context of the purchasing occasion of the buyer. In this case,
0: yeah. When Rory was here, he he talked about context a lot. He said everybody has their own individual context, and the marketer's job is to uh, a identify that and uh, then figure out how to fit into that context. So, for you at Graciano, it might be they're taking a wine country trip and you're one stop or they're wine lovers and this is adding to their information. Uh, how, do you, how do you get a grip on their context? How do you identify that?
1: Well, if we just use the the, the wine example, um, folks are sometimes celebrating something and um, Graciana wines are for people who have something to be grateful for. And many people have an understanding about that. So when we are appreciating uh, what it is that we have in life, then we're drawn to that sort of magnet, for example. So a celebration doesn't necessarily mean that it's an anniversary, but it also could be a celebration that we went through a very important health scare. And now we're past that and we're out celebrating that as well. So having an understanding about why people have have chosen to be here is very, very important to, um, to, to us in understanding that. But it, it always comes back to why? What's motivating them to behave that way?
0: Yeah, but you painted a nice picture there that your your benefit is being grateful and gratitude. And an individual's context could make their uh, specific gratitude unique to them, but gratitude is still the benefit. So the context plus the benefit makes it personal. I like that. Yep. Um, you said something very practical, which is we're trying to change behavior. and that's um, that's a good way to think about how to drive sales, how to drive revenue. You've got to change behavior. You've got to get people, as you said, to buy now when they haven't bought before or buy more. So keep us going on that path. What's the next step in in getting them to change behavior?
1: Well, we've talked a lot about why up until now um but the idea is to have an open mind about why until you have personified them and figured out what their behaviors are and their attitudes and understand more about them but the next step really is to start figuring out why why is it that they're doing what they do now if i can determine that then i can figure out why they might change in the future so we want to stay focused on their current behavior for now that means what they're currently doing because we're we're going to start them understanding what they're currently doing and then Uh, visualize what we what we want them to do in the future. So the method here then is deduction and inference. So we have the data already, we have to deduce or sort of infer the purpose or the reason why. And so we use this term five whys. Why did the target do x? For example, a person bought a Tesla, why? Well, the first why is they wanted a new car. Why? Because it could be time to turn in the old one, Uh, could be reaching a new new level of affluence because they've gotten a raise. Well, why buy an electric car rather than a hybrid or a conventional engine? And why buy a Tesla instead of another brand? And why do they feel better about Tesla than other alternatives? So one of the things that we're doing by asking the five whys is sort of climbing up this ladder. We call it a needs chain ladder. So we spoke about the needs chain in um, podcast number two, I think, which was um, values in business and also in podcast Number 30, uh, we talked about the brand framework at length. So you've been very busy, Hunter. So um <laughs> Well, you too. I, su- I suggest that uh listeners reference those podcasts. So it's podcast number two and pos- podcast number thirty. Yep. But the we'll short term what is what are what is it that customers have varying levels of needs from low level functional needs, like a like I mentioned earlier, I need to just get from here until there, uh, which is a a functional need, to a higher level need, which is driven by their emotional needs, which is I want to be a better citizen of the planet by using electric. So that's why five whys works as a technique.
0: So you you use the term deduction and inference, and that sounds like it could be a bit intimidating. You know, I got to have some super smarts to do that. But actually, the five whys sounds like anybody could do it. Even I could do it, right? It's a technique. It's just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing on the, on the why. Is that, is that fair? Even you could do it. <laughs> well, good. That makes me <laughs> relieved. Um, let me put you into the context of our economics lingo here. Um, you've talked about part of it, needs and ends, and the, the needs change. So thank you. Um, we also talk about felt dissatisfactions so that customers are dissatisfied by something. Um, I always remember one of the slides that you had in one of your workshops with a a uh, puzzled young woman with the uh word bubble coming out of her mouth saying, Life could be better if, but she's not quite sure what the what the if is. So can I identify dissatisfactions with the five whys as opposed to um, this this functional needs ladder?
1: Sure, because dissatisfactions are just another way of saying are another way of looking at needs. So disf- dissatisfactions are going to emerge in this five whys process. If if the reason why a person is acting in a certain way is to alleviate a dissatisfaction, they're not happy with something, and so therefore they're acting another way. That's going to emerge as an answer to a why question. So um, in this case, if they're they're still dissatisfied, their behavior will reveal it. So for example, um, they bought the Tesla. But they're still clicking on the Porsche website to look at the new Taycan, which is Porsche's e-vehicle.
0: So Tesla hasn't convinced them yet. <laughs> Possibly. That would be the deduction. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so are we there yet? We've, we've profiled our perfect customer. We've wrapped her in data. We've made a picture profile of her. We've used the five whys, and we think we have an understanding of the motivations for her behavior. Is, is that the insight?
1: Absolutely, it is because, as we said in the beginning, the insight is this deep understanding of the motivations, of her values and the attitudes of why she's behaving the way that she does. So uh, it's it's based not on what they or others tell you, but it's it's what you have deduced and inferred from the data and this analytic process that we're following.
0: Until here again hoping you find value in this detailed description of how to use and apply the insights generation tool, and asking that after the podcast, you visit e4epod.com slash question to tell us what you find most valuable. That could be some Graciano wine in it for you. That's e4epod.com slash question. Now back to Trini. And how do you capture that? Do you Write it down like a strategy, my insight is, or is it a, a story that you write about the, the understanding of customers' motivations? What's the best way to capture it so you can share it with your marketing department or other people in your company?
1: Sure. You can write an insight statement, and the insight statement will, will name the core target. Uh, it will name the her demographics. It will name her attitudes, what she believes. It will name her behaviors, what she does. And uh, it will also then have a short statement that just tells us why she's behaving the way that she does. So that's what we call an insight statement, and it's very, very valuable.
0: Okay. So it's my uh, quarterly presentation to the board, and I'm, I'm uh, taking my insight statement up there with pride. And the grumpy old guy in the end says, prove it. How do, you, how do you know that's valid and how do I respond to that?
1: Well, it's important for you to um, have tested that somehow. So this is a ladder that goes up and down the needs chain. So if you believe that an electric powered car, which is just a feature, is needed because it has zero emission, emissions, which is a functional benefit, which makes you feel like a global citizen for saving the planet, which is an, an emotional benefit because you have to feel a certain way and you can ladder up even more to the highest value that this person wants to save the planet because they have self-respect for example i respect myself and the world enough to be doing this behavior um because you believe in your values of saving the planet for example then all of this can be tested and it can be validated by talking with your core customers maybe in an online survey or in a couple of simple focus group research sessions or maybe your sales organization keeps telling you the same language. You're hearing it over and over and over again, and it becomes more and more obvious to you.
0: Okay. And then you spoke right at the beginning, Trini, that once you've got this insight, you can use it to, to innovate, to design a new service maybe, or improve an old one that perhaps is, is not as effective as you might want it to be. Or you can create communications using the insight um, Take us through what we do with the insight.
1: So we 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 want to modify uh, this consumer or customer's attitude so that we can influence their future behavior. So once we know what the why is, then that is the current state. We also call it sort of where we're going from. So this is the current state. Um, so we want to move that behavior to where we want to encourage them to go, and so. We determine that and we call that the to state. So it comes down to from to. And the tool we use is called an attitude modification tool because we want to modify the person's current attitude from something to something. So in this case, uh, the from is that the customer is has only been buying conventional, combustible, regular old you know, uh, cars that are just like all the cars that, that many people have had for many, many years up until now. But we want to change that to that our target will consider Tesla for example we name we put your name brand to here because it's the most progressive electric car that helps save the planet in the absolute coolest ultra premium way. So we have two different uh, elements in this case the current attitude that they have to the attitude that we want them to have. So from to is very important for us to understand the brand te- brand challenge. In fact, we can dimensionalize that because The distance from what they currently believe to what we want them to believe is, in fact, the brand challenge. So, once we've done all that work, that helps us to dimensionalize what the challenge is that we have. So, we have to, one, we've got to imagine what the future behavior is that we want them to have. And two, we attach that future behavior to the motivation that would get that customer or that consumer or that customer to act the way that we want them to act, um, just differently than they're acting right now. So, um, and then the last thing is we have to work and work at helping this customer make that change with communications, with innovation, promotion, expanded distribution, new product, for example. But the idea is to experiment, 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 and test, test, test. Because when we do that, then we can learn more about what our potential solutions are to help our customer modify their behavior.
0: So, I like the idea of the from to process management. So could it be something as simple as um, the from is my Facebook posts or my digital advertising is not generating much engagement. And then the two is uh, people are flocking to respond to my, um, to my stimulus. And then I've got to figure out the insight that will get me the from to the two. Or you would say, I've got the insight. I've now got to apply it in that from to
1: well that's that's um it's an interesting example, and I'm glad you said that so if you were in class, I would say that's close hunter but um you <laughs> you frame that in the in the form of what a brand manager would say. what we want to do is we want to frame it from a from our customer's perspective so uh, to use your example, we would say the from is um, she is not clicking on this because um, we have an understanding that it's not motivating enough it's not interesting enough to her to click for her to click on yeah she's bored so, yeah cool um we want to create uh engaging content that is going to cause insert our core targets name here to click on this or do something with that call to action
0: yep and then experiment 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 test 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 to get there exactly okay so one of the things we're trying to do Trini is um develop and and provide to our listeners some of these tools that they can use is the um insight statement template and the attitude modification tool is that something uh, we can share in some form? Yes, okay well, we'll do that on this um on the podcast show notes page so thank you for that trini and i I in the introduction before you got here i was telling our listeners that you've helped us develop a little incentive. We'd like our listeners to um, tell us which of these tools are most useful because we're generally trying to be helpful. And if you would just say, hey, this is better than that. I found this more useful than that. That would be really great. So um, I've given out all the details for people, but I just wanted to thank you for um, helping us design that incentive from a marketing standpoint. And some lucky respondents will be able to get some of your magnificent Graciana wine. So we thank you both for your marketing wisdom and your generosity.
1: Well, thank you, Hunter. Graciana wines are for people who have something to be grateful for. So I'm sure that they'll be grateful when those packages show up.
0: <laughs> I'm sure they will. And we'll be very grateful if they'll just tell us which of our tools are proving to be most useful to us. So we'll share in the gratitude. Thank you. Thank you, Hunter.
1: Economics for Entrepreneurs is a production of the Mises Institute. To explore more content like this, visit Mises.org. That's M I S E S.org. For more from Hunter Hastings, check out hunterhastings.com.